In a few moments, I'll ask you to stand, but I want to talk to you for a moment about Luke 22. We'll be reading four short verses from Luke 22, but within them you'll find some instruction, you'll find a declaration, and you'll find a prediction. A lot is going on in chapter 22. It's kind of a microcosm. I was tempted to, to well, I, I'll go ahead and mention it. I, looking through this in my mind, I said, Reader's Digest condensed books? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the heart is of the, 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 the action is in there, but boy, does it move fast. We're, um, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, in a humble fashion. Activities that week picked up very, very fast. And so here we are looking at something that follows the Last Supper and some bickering between disciples about who's greatest in the kingdom. And Jesus' reaction to those is, is priceless. I'd recommend that somewhere between maybe Dessert today and Broncos or even in place of either, either of those. <laughs> find a way, find a place and pick up your Bible and look at Luke 22. 71 verses there. It'll keep you busy for a little bit. And uh, a lot is happening. But out of that, we're going to focus on a little conversation of great importance. Of great importance to Simon Peter. Will you stand, please? Starting with verse 31, chapter 22. Jesus turns from talking to the disciples and says, perhaps aside, you would think so. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. And don't your eyes want to roll right then? Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. Twenty-four verses or so later, it comes to pass. Thank you for your attention. Thank you, Gail. So the title of the message this morning is Never Give Up. On October 29th, 1941, Winston Churchill spoke at a place called Harrow School. In that speech, he uttered these words. Never give in. Never give in. Never, 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 never. In nothing, great or small, large or petty, never give in except to convictions of honor and good sense. Never yield to force. Never yield to the apparently overwhelming might of the enemy. I love words like that. They stir my heart. 
and in a spiritual sense, I think they relate to the ideas contained in today's scripture, the scripture that Gail read, Luke 22, verses 31 through 34. Jesus knew things would be hard, but he did not want Peter to give in or to give up on him. He wanted Peter to help others by demonstrating victorious faith. Let's look at this scripture and see what we can learn from it. It is the night of Jesus' arrest. Jesus has already celebrated the Passover meal with his disciples and instituted the Lord's Supper. Judas has left to betray him. Now Jesus is speaking with the disciples when, in what seems to be somewhat of a side conversation, he addresses Peter. Simon, Simon, he said. Simon was the name given to Peter by his family. Jesus is the one who began calling him Peter. But it seemed important for Jesus to get Peter's full attention because he used his name twice. Then he told Peter, Satan has demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. According to Bible scholars, the word Jesus used for you in that verse means you all. Jesus is telling Peter that hard times are ahead, and this is not a game. The powers of hell, evil, Satan himself, are about to come against Peter and the other disciples. They are about to suffer something terrible. All of them are about to suffer something terrible. Then Jesus continues, But I have prayed for your faith, that it may not fail. In this case, the you that Jesus used is singular. Jesus is telling Peter, I have prayed for you specifically. But his prayer was not the kind of prayer that Peter might have liked. And we'll talk more about that later. Jesus finishes his announcement to Peter by giving him an assignment. He said, And when you have turned again, Strengthen your brothers. Jesus knew that Peter would fail. Nevertheless, Jesus prayed. This was a long-term or a big-picture prayer. Ultimately, Jesus wanted Peter's faith to triumph, and when it did, he had a job for Peter. I'd like to offer a paraphrase of the verses that we've covered so far, Luke 22, verses 31 through 32. And here's my paraphrase. Peter, pay attention. This is serious. Satan wants to make things hard for you and the rest of the disciples. So hard for you and the rest of the disciples that you give up on me. But Peter, I want you to know I've prayed for you. I have prayed that whatever happens, you don't give up on me. And Peter, I have also prayed that once things are right between you and me again, you will help your brothers to be strong. Don't let them give up on me either. At this point, we know that Peter declared his loyalty to Jesus. He said, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Sadly, Jesus knew better. Peter was not strong enough to handle what would come against him that night. 
He was going to need divine help, God's help, to recover from his failure. If you know the Gospels, you know what happened next. Jesus was arrested. The disciples were scattered. And worse yet, Peter denied Jesus three times. But that wasn't all. Jesus was crucified, and it was a very, very hard and frightening time for the disciples. During all of this, I believe Peter experienced intense personal regret. Thoughts of failure, or thoughts that he was a failure, along with mental and emotional torture for denying Jesus, his friend, and the one of whom he had said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So we need to ask as followers of Christ, what can we learn from this story? I know it relates to a specific event in the lives of Jesus and Peter, and I don't like it. I, don't, I try hard not to misapply the scripture. But I think this story illustrates things that are common for all who want to live for Christ. So let's dig into it. The first thing I think we can learn here is that as disciples of Christ, we are subject to attack. And our own strength is not enough for victory. Let me repeat that. As disciples of Christ, we are subject to attack. And our own strength is not enough for victory. I think we like to believe that if we are careful to avoid sin and please God, things will go well for us. We will be happy, prosperous, and we will be protected from the really tough stuff. Actually, we probably know better. But I think it's natural to hope that God will give us an easy road. Nevertheless, for whatever reason, Jesus does not always protect us from the hard stuff. And it's not a game. During those times, Satan and the forces of evil are eager to pounce. Whether it is persecution, sickness, depression, loss of a job, loss of a loved one, personal suffering, the suffering of a family member, the failure of sin, or whatever else... In all of these things, Satan or his agents are there trying to get us to give up on Jesus. Have you ever had thoughts like these? If God loved you, this wouldn't be happening. Or, see, this God you've trusted isn't real. He won't provide for you. Or, how about this? You're guilty. You don't deserve forgiveness. God can't use you. You're no good. And the worst of all, if this is what I get for following Jesus, I might as well give up. We see God's people being attacked from Genesis through Revelation. Here are just a few examples. Abram and Sarai questioned God's promise for an heir and took matters into their own hands. Moses' leadership was continually criticized and tested. Job suffered extreme loss and sickness. Jeremiah lived with constant criticism and threat. 
David spent years in the desert hiding like a criminal. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into a fiery furnace. Daniel was thrown into a lion's den. Hostile people discouraged the rebuilding of the wall in Jerusalem. Stephen was stoned. Paul had a thorn in the flesh, and Timothy had stomach problems and frequent ailments. We are told that every one of the apostles except John was martyred, and John himself was imprisoned on the Isle of Patmos. The list could go on and on. Many of us could add our own stories or stories of friends and acquaintances to the list. And I've got to tell you guys, over the last couple weeks, I've watched an event unfold on Facebook in a Christian family that would tear the heart out of anybody. And yet they're still claiming faith in Jesus Christ. Tough things happen. And it's not a game. But Satan is there the whole time saying, give up, give up, give up on the Lord. We don't want that to happen. As disciples of Christ, we can be attacked. And our own strength is not enough to meet the foe. But listen to the words of the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 11. He says, Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And one of the pieces of armor he talks about is the shield of faith by which you can extinguish the fiery darts of the devil. He's attacking. But if we continue to trust the Lord, he'll get us through. So this brings me to the second point. God wants us to keep trusting him. Jesus told Peter, But I have prayed for your faith, that it may not fail. That's an interesting prayer, by the way. In my time as a Christian, I have heard many prayers prayed, and I've prayed many prayers, but I don't often hear prayers of faith for a believer who is going through a hard time. Imagine for a moment if you had some difficulty and you asked me to pray for you. If I said, okay, I'll pray for your faith that it would not fail. What would you think? (laughs) Irene gave the right answer. Thank you. (laughs) But if somebody said that to me, I'd probably think, well, that's great, but can you pray that the hard time will stop? See, we want the hard time to stop. That's not what Jesus prayed for Peter. For whatever reason, he let Peter go through all this. He said, I have prayed for your faith that it may not fail. Jesus did not tell Peter he would be spared from the sifting of Satan. Instead, he said, I have prayed for your faith that it may not fail. When Jesus says to Peter, I have prayed for your faith that it may not fail, what did that mean? Jesus was praying that Peter would not give up on him. Again, Jesus was praying that Peter would not give up on him. If we look at verses 33 and 34, we know that Peter thought he could handle what was coming. But Jesus knew better. He knew Peter would sin and deny him. That's why he prayed for Peter. He knew Peter would need divine help to make it through what was going to happen. Jesus prayed for Peter's greatest need. 
A Christian can suffer in countless ways and be saved in the end. A Christian can even fail and sin and be forgiven and be saved in the end. But without faith, a Christian is no longer a Christian. If a Christian truly gives up on Jesus, he or she is in eternal danger. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Jesus loved Peter. He intended for their relationship to last forever and ever. So he prayed for Peter's faith that it would not fail. And he prayed that Peter would not give up on him. Well, let's move on to the third point. Jesus also prayed that Peter would help his brothers not to give up on him. In Luke chapter 22, verse 32, Jesus said, But I have prayed for your faith that it may not fail, and when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter would need to repent for his denials of Jesus. But once that was accomplished, Jesus had a job for him. After the resurrection, Jesus and Peter had another conversation. We find it in John 15, or I'm sorry, John 21, verses 15 through 17. Let's listen to what was said. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Do you hear it? In Luke 22:32, Jesus tells Peter, Strengthen your brothers. In the passage from John, Jesus tells him, Feed my lambs, tend my sheep, and feed my sheep. The third thing I think we can learn from this story is we should disciple others. We need to show our brothers and sisters, God's lambs, what a victorious life looks like. I want to read 1 Peter 3 through 9. 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 3 through 9. It is a passage that Peter wrote later in his life. And he wrote it to some Christians who were having a hard time. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading kept for you in heaven by God's power. I'm sorry, kept for you in heaven, who by God's power 
are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice. Now listen to this part. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. He told them not to give up on Jesus. Never give in. Never give in. Never, 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 never. There is a spiritual war going on. And like it or not, we are in it. We are not the champions in this conflict. But we need to stick with the one who is. I want to think that when the dust of deception and the smoke of wickedness clears and the unveiled light of truth shines forth, we will all be standing there with the martyrs, saints, and countless believers who remained faithful to Jesus and found that he was their help even when it was hard. What a joy it will be to hear him, the one who suffered what we could not, paid what we could not, won what we could not, say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. I'm going to ask the music team to come up again. And we're going to sing a song that I think celebrates this whole message. It's called A Mighty Fortress is Our God. But don't leave when we're done because I've got some closing words and a benediction. So. Jesus, it is you.
Okay, so I guess I would say this morning, if you're a Christian, don't give up. If you're not a Christian, I would tell you that in Jesus Christ, there is strength. Whatever you're facing, there is strength in Jesus Christ. As disciples of Christ, we are subject to attack, and our own strength is not enough for victory. God does not always prevent hard times, but he keeps us trusting. He wants us to keep trusting him. And then we should disciple others. We, as Christians, need to show our brothers and sisters, God's lambs, what a victorious life looks like. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. You can go.